The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by tripinsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Uh, If you haven't checked it out yet, check out our last two episodes. We just got back from Norwegian Escape and Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas, our last two uploaded podcasts. So uh, if you haven't, check those out also. Check out our Cruise Radio News Facebook page. Just search Cruise Radio News on Facebook. All right. Well, this week, Peter Canego from MidshipCentury.com just returned from a seven-night Mexican Riviera sailing aboard Carnival Miracle. And Peter joins us this evening. Hello, Peter. Hey, Doug. Good to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Let's let's jump right to it now. Before we get to the actual sure. ship itself, let's take a step back and uh, give me your pre-cruise thoughts about Carnival Miracle. Okay. Well, I am a big fan of... Carnival's onboard product. I think the food and entertainment for the price line is about as good as you can possibly get. And I try to make that case every single time I sail on on one of those ships because I'm blown away with things like the pizza, which is by far the best of any pizza. Even the deluxe lines can't do pizza like Carnival. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Asian food, the variety of offerings. I mean, you've got their steakhouse, which has incredible food and service, but it's not just the steakhouse only for steak lovers. I kind of have a bit of a different diet, so I can eat things that aren't meat and feel just as good about it as my friend who's sitting there enjoying his lobster and filet mignon. Nice. Um, the service is beyond compare to me because these guys work so hard. They've got two meal sittings, and they've got nonstop energy. They're always polite. They're so efficient. The carnival machinery, the, the structure of what they do with their crew and their staff is really, really impressive. And some of the other lines that are even in the same market, I don't feel quite live up to that standard. I don't think the carnival ships are necessarily the most progressive. I don't think they have as many bells and whistles as some of the other ships out there. But I think they more than make up for it by what they offer as far as good, solid entertainment, food, and very friendly, thorough, efficient service. Absolutely. Now, you live out there in California. So uh, are, are you in L.A., Peter? I'm actually in Oceanside, which is about 40 miles north of San Diego. Okay. Uh, but I was born and raised in L.A., so I consider myself still an Angelino until I can get used to saying otherwise. <laughs> right, I hear you. Um, <laughs> uh, getting to the cruise yeah. pier then, uh, Carnival Miracle left out of L.A. Uh, logistically, for a California local, is it just like a driving and parking at the port, or how does that work? Exactly. For me, it's a 90-minute drive, and that's mainly because of traffic. It's only like a 75-mile journey. Carnival has ample parking at the cruise terminal. They also have, if you want, you don't want to leave your car for a week, you can get super shuttle or, you know, even, you know, get a friend to drive you. I mean, it's very easy. And for me, I was looking forward to that. One of my 
pains of being a travel writer is actually the traveling to get to the ship that I'm going to sail on. Mm -hmm. And for once, it was so nice just to not have to worry about airports and security and all that crazy stuff and just drive and park and literally walk to the gangway from the parking lot. It was great. Let's talk about embarkation. How is embarkation uh, once you were boarding Carnival Miracle? And how was embarkation in general out of Long Beach? Incredibly smooth. They embark you in tiers, and of course, they give priority to you know guests and suites. And they have a really, really good—I almost want to call it frequent cruiser program—where people who have sailed with Carnival a lot get uh, a place to sit and a cold drink and, and a bit of a lounge. And there's free Wi-Fi, so you can go online if you're early and you're just waiting to get on board the ship. And then once you go through the you know the document processing, it's very quick. Very, very efficient. You know, they're processing 2,000 people in a matter of an hour and a half to two hours. There's very few glitches, and they tend to be very friendly. And then, boom, all of a sudden you're on the ship, and then, you know, you're in this fantasy land created by Joe Farkas, the, <laughs> you know, I think the world's most progressive and I, I'd say gaudy, and I don't think he'd even take that as an insult, mm-hmm. glitzy. Uh, just crazy like Disneyland scenarios as soon as you step on the ship. There's no color or pattern that Mr. Farkas wasn't fond of, and he tends to use them all. But what it does is it sort of creates an energy and a vibe. As soon as you step onto the ship, you're definitely not on land in the regular world. You're in a completely crazy, fun place. And, you know, if you sit back and you don't judge and just sort of kind of get the vibe that he's trying to create. Each room that he did on the ship, and some of them have been starting to disappear with the new refits Carnival's doing, uh, each room has like this fun theme and this crazy vibe to it. You know, the, there's a disco um, it's called Dr. Frankenstein's Lab. Mm-hmm. And it's got a huge, like, eight-foot or ten-foot tall Frankenstein's monster bolted to the wall and these, what they call Jacob's ladder lighting, you know, those lightning bolts that go up in the tubes, like you see in one of the old Frankenstein movies. It's just crazy. It's fun. I mean, it's perfect for a disco, you know, and then the um, cabaret show lounge is all Alice in Wonderland inspired. So it's got these, you know, teacups and giant rabbits and, and just crazy paintings of people that look like they're, you know, sort of out of their mind. <laughs> and it's now, that room is actually what they use now for their punchliners club, but it's perfect. I mean, it's just great. You walk in the room and while you're waiting for the show to start, you look around and you're actually being entertained as you, as you sit in a room full of people. Um, the atrium is 11 decks high and it's studded with, you know, pulsating lights and, uh, three vista elevators with, with, uh, glass, you know, glass elevators that go up and down like Captain Nemo's underwater city. And then at the very top of the atrium, there's a glass staircase that you walk across. It, it actually connects the supper club or the steakhouse with the main um, buffet restaurant. So if you dare, you, you're literally walking on these glass steps over an 11-deck high precipice. And it's, you know, it's just, it's crazy, but it's fun. I mean, it's like, it's an adventure. And I I am terrified of heights, so <laughs> I would sort of force myself to do this and, and kind of get a, you know, vicarious thrill out of it. You know, of course, stepping lightly on each step first to make sure the glass brick is still in place and you know, not loose from all the years of use. But yeah, I really, it's, the ship is great. Um, great passenger flow. They've got promenade deck. It, it, you know, the ship was still built at a time when the, when promenade decks were 
were features that everybody enjoyed on cruise ships. And there's an outdoor promenade that connects with this strange but very, very cool like winter garden indoor promenade. And you can make a full circle around the ship if you, you know, just want to take strolls after dinner. There's three pools. One is an open-air family pool. Another one is a a Megadome-covered family pool as well. So if it's raining, they can close the glass dome over the roof. And then in the back of the ship, uh, at the stern, there's the adults-only Serenity, which has its own swimming pool as well. So she's not deficient in, you know, pools. She's got a jogging track. Uh, There's a mini golf course. There's a sports court where people play basketball, an excellent gym. It's uh, it's a tiered level uh, gym with the cardio equipment at the bottom, and it's got a glass ceiling over it, so you have these great views of the sea while you're working out or doing your aerobics. You're a really, really well-designed ship, and these four ships of the Carnival Spirit class actually have the highest passenger space ratio in the Carnival fleet. And they're kind of a, a well-kept secret. Uh, I think they're just a, a notch or two more enjoyable. They're slightly smaller than, than the new breed of ships that are coming out. And they feel, you know, they feel more homey to me. And you can actually run into the same people, you know, a few times and make friends on, on a ship this size versus some of the, the newer, larger ships that are coming out. Awesome. Let's talk about the stateroom, Peter. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you yeah. have? And what were your first impressions of the stateroom? Yeah, it was a really well-designed uh, standard balcony stateroom. The balcony was was nice and wide. It actually had teak decking on it, which is you know a disappearing art. Teak wood is now becoming endangered, so cruise lines can't afford to use it, and also it adds extra weight to the ship. So so it's being less and less used now. But it was a nice touch. It had sort of an old ocean liner kind of feel. Glass balcony, so you could see through from when you're sitting inside. With a full-length window, you're looking out through the window and through a glass balcony so you can see outside if you just want to lie in bed and look at, you know, the ocean passing by. Very well-placed storage space. There's there's room under the bed for your suitcase, unlike some ships where you have to keep the suitcase out and trip over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, bathroom had good cabinet storage facilities. Shower was wide enough, you know, that you could turn around without bumping into the walls, and water pressure was good. Everything worked really well. The ship is beautifully maintained. She's, she's, uh, you know, more than a decade old now, so she's not the newest hardware, but they do a great job in keeping the ship, you know, up to snuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, let's talk, uh, you were talking about the food a little bit a little while ago as far as the steakhouse and the pizza on board, but let's talk about, like, the buffet and the main dining room. How was that food experience for you? Mind-blowing. I mean, constantly. My friend, uh, Tom, who was with me and I were just, we're blown away. I mean, the, the waiters, again, we were second seating. So, you know, they had just gone through a full meal seating. The ship was full. And they came to us like, you know, it was the very first thing they had done that day. They had so much energy. They were just so nice. You know, the, uh, ordering anything. If you don't like anything or if you're not excited by it, they're like, what, can, what else can we get you? What, you know, what else would you like? How about another one of, you know, another scoop of ice cream or just like nonstop, you know, without getting in your way. They know when you're having a conversation not to interrupt you and start, you know, gratuitous, you know, how is, how are you and where are you from and all this other stuff. They just were on point, very, very efficient. And the food, again, things like gazpacho, they do it the way you would do it in, in Spain. They bring you the bowl. It's got the garlic in the in the cucumbers, you know, in a little in, in a little mound in the middle of the bowl, and then they pour the fresh 
soup over that. You know, it's not just like it was sitting on some shelf in the kitchen for hours and they bring out this sort of stale soup. It was done fresh, fresh grated Parmesan, all these little things that people sometimes take for granted, but a lot of cruise lines aren't doing anymore. They still do with Carnival, especially in the food department. And as I mentioned, I'm not a big meat eater. So I was able to order things like every night they have a great Indian vegetarian meal, a completely different dish made from scratch. I go to India. I know what real Indian food tastes like. This is just like you would get in India. You know, it was made for people who would want that kind of food and understand it. And yet it's just one of the many offerings on the ship. Tofu. I had fried tofu one night and everybody goes, oh, tofu, it's horrible. (laughs) This was like... I defy anybody to not like this tofu that I had. Yeah. Even my friend Tom, who's a big meat eater, was like, oh, you know, that actually is pretty good. I mean, it, you know, they know what they're doing with the food. And I think it, it, for anybody that cares about food, it makes a big difference. And the dining room itself, it's crazy. It's called Bacchus, and it's inspired by wine and grapes. So there's these giant grape light fixtures throughout the dining room. It's like a complete course in, you know, purple lighting. And then it's got these uh, neon tubes running through grape leaves on the pillars that support the dining room. So you're literally, I mean, it's like being, like I said before, in a, in a fantasy land, sort of like a Disney, you know, creation. And if you just let yourself get into it, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's like you're, you know, you're going off someplace in somebody's imagination and having a fantastic meal. Awesome. And the buffet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, great food stations. They have a fantastic Asian buffet. They had a nightly um, evolving menu where it would be French one night, Italian another, American South uh, another. So they would have different themes at this one particular station. And then there's the pizzeria, which, as I said before, I don't know if it's the dough they use or the cheese or all of the elements and the fact that they make the pizzas fresh right there in front of your eyes. But I thought, and and I love Princess's Pizza. I think that's probably the next best you're ever going to find at sea because they Mm -hmm. make their pizza fresh. But for some reason, these pizzas on the Carnival Miracle were the best pizzas I've had outside of Naples in Italy where they really know how to make pizza and they do it just like they do in Naples. I mean, I wish I could find pizza like that here at home. I had pizza like twice a day for the entire week (laughs) because it was just too good not to have. Nice. Uh, earlier this year, Carnival Miracle underwent, um, I want to say a Funship 2.0 upgrade, but it wasn't the whole upgrade, correct? Yes, correct. It's like more like Funship 1.7 or right, something. Yeah, because, because there's no Guy's Burger joint. Exactly. No oh. Guy's Burger joint, and they don't have the Mexican buffet up deck side, uh, like their, their sort of version of Baja Fresh, where you go get, you know, make your own tacos and all of that. Those two elements. Elements are missing, yeah. uh, but they did put in the alchemy bar where you get the you know fancy cocktails made of you know fresh spices and mojitos and things like that. And they, I guess, they equipped some of the regular showrooms without necessarily changing the decor to accommodate things like uh, in the main showroom they have their Hasbro game show. Uh, equipment now so they can do their full-on game shows. They've got the new sports bar, uh, the Skybox, uh, where, you know, they do the, the screenings on the, uh, the big screens with the, with all the sporting events. And they did add the Red Frog Pub. So those are of the elements that, uh, the 2.0 elements that they did get on the ship. And I think they're going to retrofit the other ones uh, down the road. That seemed to be the the 
words from the, the staff on the ship. Well, it seems like um, with all the pizza you were eating, you didn't need to eat any uh, Guy Fieri burgers anyways. So. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you very much. I'm still working it off. The ship was also in the dry dock. Um, You were mentioning the theater, and it got the Playlist Productions program, which is the shorter, more abbreviated Broadway shows that the cruise ships have. Did you get to catch any of those, and what were your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to just rave only and, and you know, I'm going to offer a criticism or two here. Yeah. Um, yes, they did. They had one show. It was called Islands. It was a 3D show. It seemed a little bit forced. It wasn't quite as, you know, on the point as some of the earlier uh, entertainment. I think Carnival really had it down. I, I'm surprised if they even wanted to evolve the main stage entertainment. But that said, the shows were still really good. I just like the whole event of going to dinner and then going afterwards to a, a show, you know, like a full hour long or hour plus show where you've got, you know, dazzling effects. And, you know, sometimes the Broadway show tunes get a little boring, but other times that's kind of what you want. And I was missing a little bit of that element. And also because I was second seating dinner. I don't know if this is a fleet-wide thing, but it was a little frustrating because I don't want to see a show before dinner. I yeah, want to go to dinner you know, and enjoy dinner, have a glass of wine or so, and then just leisurely look forward to going to a show. And if you're second seating, you can't do that. You have to go to the show at 7.30, and then we ate at 8.15, I believe. That was the time. So we really barely had time to get to the dining room after the show. And then the first seating people who ate at 6.00, were able to actually go to the show afterwards if they wanted. But um, I don't like first eating because then you miss sunsets and then your day ends too quickly and I'm just more of an evening person. So I kind of hope that maybe they'll go back or maybe they'll shake it up a little bit. And one night they'll do a traditional, you know, second seating show after second seating dinner. Uh, maybe not every single night of the week. Maybe it's easier for the staff to do it the way they're doing it now. But I just sort of miss that about it. That's a good tip, too, for people who are sailing Carnival, because all, all the ships I've been on are the same way. So if you want to see dinner or get dinner and a show, you might want to do the first seating. But, yeah, at ear right, it cuts into the sunset and all of that as well. So it's, uh, it's exactly. a double-edged and sword there. Sunset at sea is the most important thing of the cruise. You oh, know, amazing. It's, it's a yeah. beautiful day. Who wants to be sitting in a dining room? I want to be out on deck and watching it and you know, enjoying the fresh the air as long as I can and then go to dinner. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about Carnival Miracle uh, on sea days because one thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves at sea, not as far as rocking and all that, but as far as passenger flow, both inside and out. So how was the sea days for you? Sea days were great. Slept in, enjoyed, you know, catching up on all the missed sleep of, you know, the, the mm-hmm. busy port days that one normally enjoys on, on cruises. There are... There's only, uh, there's actually on a seven day cruise, there's four sea days out of Long Beach when you're going to Mexico because it really takes, you know, up to two days to get there and then usually a day and a half to get back if you're, if uh, Cabo San Lucas is your second port as it was on this itinerary. Mm-hmm. So it's, for me, it was great to relax, but, you know, I'll start off the day, I'll go down to the uh, espresso bar and buy myself like a double shot cappuccino read a newspaper, sit by the window, watch the sea go by, and then just gradually take the rest of the day, you know, as it comes. There's lectures, there's games, there's quizzes, 
There's, you know, all sorts of stuff going on by the pools, activities that can be loud and fun if that's what you're looking for, or just quiet, you know, places like the Serenity if you just want to retreat and stare at the sea, which is pretty much more my style. Mm -hmm. There's the gym, of course, which I would try to go to every day, especially after eating all that pizza. (laughs) The buffet restaurant, which you could go back to, you know, during the course of the day and just get little bits of extra bites if you want, soft serve ice cream. Uh, what what the Miracle doesn't have is a big water park. She does have one slide, which is, I'd say, you know, medium to average size compared to some of the slides on ships today. But it seemed to be doing the trick. People weren't complaining or saying they needed, you know, all the extra stuff that, that some of the other ships out there have. But what's really nice is that the ship has lots of open decks. She has those promenades. There's plenty of sunning space and plenty of space to just take a walk and never feel like you're, you know, going in circles and getting bored. Lots of sights to see, crazy artwork everywhere, sculptures. You know, it's it's a really fun ship. And I, you know, I think people... If you just walk on the ship and you're not sailing on it, it, it's it's easy to make judgments about decor and things like that. But if you're actually experiencing the ship and you're getting the passenger flow and you're kind of getting into the vibe, it's a great ship. Uh, I like all four of these uh, are actually um, spirit class ships. They're they're really well designed. There's no such thing as you know crowded hallways and and passageways. Everything seems to to work and have a good flow, unlike some ships where there might be a missing staircase in the middle of the ship and you're like, oh my God, I got to walk 500 feet just to go upstairs. The the miracle is is just very well and thoughtfully designed. On this seven night sailing, uh, it was a Mexican Riviera sailing. So what ports did you hit? Uh, Just two. We called at Puerto Vallarta Mm -hmm. and the ship overnight. She gets there on the afternoon. I believe it's a Wednesday afternoon. And then she overnights and then leaves on Thursday around noon. So you can do excursions on either day. I actually chose to stay on the ship because I was really enjoying the ship. It was about 95 degrees out and incredibly humid. And being from the West Coast, I don't deal well with humidity. Right. I've been to Puerto Vallarta many times, so I was just enjoying the, the half-empty ship and being able to relax and sort of just look at the scenery. Because the ship itself, if you're in the upper decks, you've got the best view of Puerto Vallarta of, you know, even better than most of the hotels because yeah. you're over the hotels. You're literally on a, you know, 10, 12-story building when you're on the Miracle on the Spirit Class ship. So it was nice to look at the mountains and see the beach and all of that, but not have to go out and be humid. Um, <laughs> but in Cabo San Lucas, the ship sails around noon on uh, Thursday, and then she's in Cabo on Friday. And in Cabo, uh, we get there at dawn, and we're there for most of the day. And my friend and I opted to go on this resort excursion where basically, you know, you get a tender ride ashore and you get on a van and it takes you to one of the local hotels, which is on the beach. And there's two swimming pools. You get a a free drink and you get a buffet lunch and you have this gorgeous beach in front of the hotel, which is, which is semi-guarded. It's semi-protected. So not all the locals are coming in there. And the water in Cabo San Lucas is absolutely spectacular. So that's, uh, what we had planned to do, and we definitely did not regret it. It was so hot, and just being able to swim in the beautiful Pacific Ocean was was like the, the answer to all of our prayers. So we did that, and then we spent the rest of the day on the ship, and it was a beautiful day as we sailed out. We sailed past the Los Arcos, that very cool, jagged rock formation that projects out from Cabo. 
And uh, then the next day was at sea, and it was also beautiful, and uh, we, we just thoroughly enjoyed it. And so you, it was so nice. It, so you make your way back to Long Beach. How was disembarkation? How was that process for you? It was fine. Disembarkation is my least favorite thing about any <laughs> cruise experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, A, you're bummed because your cruise is over, and B, you know, you're dragging luggage around and figuring out, you know, you got the night before if you want to put out your bag. You got to figure, you know, okay, I'm wearing what I sleep in and then I got to leave out what I'm going to wear tomorrow. And then if you forget your socks or something, it can be a real drag. Um, (laughs) But that said, the process went pretty smoothly. We were, I guess, probably in line for about 25 minutes to get off the ship. But again, very well organized. They had all the suitcases in, you know, in, in bags. They they do um, the suitcases in different color baggage tags. So they, you know, if you're in red, there's a big section for red, and you go look for your suitcase in that area, and you drag it out and hand the slip to customs, and there you are in the parking lot, and you just got to go get your car and, and drive off. Or if you're not driving, then you get a shuttle and, you know, off to the airport you go. Uh, but again, very well organized. There were a couple people trying to sneak in, into the line, but the uh, the carnival folks were pretty wise about that, and they caught them and sent them back to where they needed to go, and, you know, everybody was happy. Um, so it worked out quite well. How how uh, far is Long Beach from LAX? Long Beach is about 20, 25 miles from LAX. Gotcha. So is that like an hour by, I've never been to California before, is that like an hour by car maybe? Yeah, well, it can be 25 minutes or it can be two hours depending on what time of day you're trying to go. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, it should be, you know, it should be an hour, but never count on that in LA. Nice. Well, uh, in closing (laughs) here, Peter, I want to get your final thoughts of Carnival Miracle. Great ship. I'm really glad we have her on the West Coast. I would love to sail in her again. I think she'd be a great ship to go to Hawaii or Alaska. I think she's probably a better ship for longer cruises than some of the other larger ships in the fleet because of the way she's designed and with all the open decks and the low passenger space ratio. When you've got a cruise that has a lot more sea days, I think this is a ship to be on. And I'd happily go back. I think she's a, she's a good ship. She has a good vibe about her. Uh, the staff and crew are just top-notch, and um, I was very impressed. I, I'm always impressed whenever I leave a carnival ship, and this one did not disappoint. It just exceeded expectations. I want to ask you, uh, totally unrelated here to your last cruise, but you have a website called midshipcentury.com, and I'm actually taking a look at it right now. You have a lot of stuff that you recovered from the old love boat, Pacific Princess, correct? There was the Island Princess and the Pacific Princess. Uh-huh. Uh, they were both used on the show, uh, depending on which ship was in Los Angeles at the time they wanted to do a shoot. They were completely identical in every aspect except for the colors of the carpet and the art pieces that were on board. But both ships had the same furniture um, and same clocks and same types of fittings, same layout, you know, down to the finest detail. They were literally twin sisters. Uh, but of course, you can't have the love boat being on two different ships. You know, when you're making a TV show, you have to choose which one, and they chose to use the name Pacific Princess for the series. So, the Island Princess was sort of like the the un you know the, the the stepsister that never really got all the proper credit, but she was just as much of a love boat as the Pacific Princess. So I tried to get things from the Pacific Princess, but she was uh, she was sent to Turkey to be scrapped and 
the ship sprung a leak and was almost capsized before she arrived at the breaker's yard. Oh, wow. People died on board when they were trying to, you know, pump out the engine room uh, of water. Uh, so there was all kinds of controversy about the ship. And I went to Turkey and I saw her there at the scrapyard and I had arranged with people to buy things. And then they just basically said, you know what, we can't do this because it's too dangerous and we're just going to destroy everything when we break up. Oh, I bet you were devastated. The Pacific Princess deserved a better fate than that. And so when her twin sister, the, the island princess, went for scrap the next year, Fortunately, she didn't go to Turkey. She went to India, and I've been dealing with the people in India for about 12 years now in rescuing fittings from the beautiful old cruise ships and ocean liners that have been scrapped there. So I went there in January just after the Island Princess, which was then operating as a discovery for uh, Voyages of Discovery, a British company, Mm -hmm. uh, was beached. And I went aboard, and the scrapping had already begun, but they knew the items that I wanted, so those were left in place so that I could go inspect them. So there were some beautiful artworks, all by famous Norwegian artists, and I got all of those. Fortunately, I was able to rescue them. And I got a selection of furniture. I got some you know, original uh, Island Princess chairs, um, some sofas, a few light fixtures, which are unfortunately all gone now. Um, and little things, um, that that's awesome. Filmed on board. You have so many, yeah. sh- you have so many ships on your site here. And if you want to check out any of them, just head to midshipcentury.com. I'll also link to it on the show notes at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking to Peter Canego from midshipcentury.com. He just returned back from his seven night Mexican Riviera sailing aboard Carnival Miracle out of Long Beach. And uh, Peter, always good talking to you, my friend. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Doug, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for what you're doing. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.